0: We'll do have your Bible open at Romans chapter 6. So we're doing this uh, series through the book of Romans. We're actually doing a little mini-series, as it were, in, in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Last Sunday night, we, we began uh, by looking at verses 1 and 2. So Paul has to answer this objection. He's just said at the end of chapter 5, um, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. And so the response is, so Paul, are you saying, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And his emphatic answer was, by no means. In the King James Version, God forbid. James B. Phillips Version, um, that is a ghastly thought. No way. And the reason according to the Apostle Paul, that this is a preposterous notion in a word is union with Christ. Look at verse two. This was his question. How can we, who are dead to sin, live in it? If you're dead to sin, you cannot be alive to sin. Doesn't make sense. Now, it was mind-stretching. What we said last week is, not only did Christ die for us, but we died with Christ. So we understand Christ died for us. And in dying for us, he, he secured the forgiveness of sins. But what we said last week is that because we died with Christ, he also guaranteed our freedom. You see, the penalty of sin was paid for, but also the power, the dominion, the mastery of sin, no more. We've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and we've been brought into the glorious kingdom of light. I think many of us get that first point, Christ died for us for the forgiveness of sins. But we don't really get a second point. We died with Christ and so we're dead to sin and sin no longer has its power and dominion over us. Now, whether or not we, we um, live with that understanding, it doesn't make it any less true. But if we are going to live out the Christian life as as, as God's word would desire it, we ought to know who we are in Christ. We ought to know that in our union with Christ, we died with Christ. We've been set free from slavery to sin, and we're now to live for our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if that was mind-blowing last week, well... Sorry, but this evening, it, it just continues. Because in verses 3 to 10, we're going to really be unpacking what does it mean to be united with Christ, but in particular, with regards to his resurrection. Um, Paul wants us to understand that we've died with Christ, but we've also been raised with Christ. Because we died with Christ, we're dead to sin. Because we've been raised with Christ, we're now alive. Alive to God. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, says Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, behold, he is a new creation. And we're a new creation because we've been raised with him. We're a new creation because the same spirit that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that now indwells us. And so we now live in the newness. Of life. One of the things we're, we're going to do just to, to begin is to try and grapple a bit more with this whole reality of union with Christ. Um, there's a really good book on it. I can't remember the, the author's name, Randy, I think his first name is, called Union with Christ. It, if you go on Amazon tonight, you'll find it. Um, John Ortberg writes a foreword to it, but it's an excellent book. And um, he, he begins that book by saying that one of the things that we we underuse, especially as we grow up, is our imagination. But one of the things that the scriptures constantly invite us to use when it comes to thinking about our relationship with Christ is our imagination. You see, the mystery of us being united with Christ is is quite difficult for us to comprehend. And so we were, we've were we been thinking largely about what it means for us to be in Christ with regards to him being our federal head, the same way that Adam was our federal head. We lived in Adam, we sinned in Adam, because we're in Adam, death now reigns. Now we're thinking of how in Christ we died, in Christ we were buried, in Christ we were raised, the federal side. But scripture's got a lot more ways of speaking about union with Christ. There's something called not just the federal aspect of union with Christ, but the spiritual Or the mystical. And that's when we talk about not just us being in Christ, but Christ being in us. That's when we talk about the reality that union with Christ, isn't this just a physical union, it's this spiritual union. And the ways that the scripture writers get it at Jesus himself, is he illustrates it by John 15, the vine and the branches. A branch depends on the vine for its life. Or marriage. Husband and wife become one in the mystery that is marriage. Or we are so connected to Christ as the, as the body of Christ is to the head. Christ being the head, we being the body. See that Oneness. And, and there's many other ways. In fact, one of the most profound statements said regarding union with Christ is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, we are partakers in the divine nature. We so participate in the life of Christ that we participate in his divine nature. Now... Eastern Orthodoxy has got a whole theology of theosis, we become like gods. We, we, we don't believe that, but there is something to our union with Christ that we share in the life of God. Now, your mind's being stretched. I know my mind's being stretched, but I really want us to understand this other aspect, the mystical, the spiritual um aspect of union with Christ, because if we're going to come and understand what it means to be united with Christ in his resurrection, you and I need to understand that not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us. Yep, he is in you if you are a believer. Christ in you, says Paul, is the hope of glory. Abide in me and I will abide in you, said Christ in John 15. Now, how does Christ live inside of us? He said this in the Great Commission, I will be with you to the end of the age. How so? By the Holy Spirit. So if you get your Bible there, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 9. We'll read down to verse 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, now take your Bible and turn to First Corinthians chapter 15. <coughs> And just look down at verse 45. We are told that Christ, the last Adam, is the first fruits of the resurrection, harvest, has become what? The life-giving spirit. Thus it is written, the first Adam being a living being, the last Adam being a life giving spirit. At Jesus' resurrection, he was not only glorified by being transformed in his human nature by the enlivening power of the spirit, he also came into possession of the spirit that was so climactic, so unprecedented, so overflowing, that it is probably captured by here that Christ is the life giving Spirit. Now, th- th- this will be hard for us to take in, but you need to understand the, the intimate bond that exists between Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, there is no compromise into the personal distinctions between Christ and the Spirit. that The eternal, essential distinction and quality between the second and third persons of the Trinity remain. But because of who Christ is in his human nature and has become in a state of exaltation, he and the Spirit are now one in their work of giving life. This life is nothing less than the resurrection life of the Spirit. And we've got to understand that Jesus Christ resurrected, the life-giving Spirit, now is at work in us, in all who are united to him by indwelling them through the Holy Spirit. So if you're dead to sin, you're dead to the bondage and slavery of sin, you've got to understand that because of Christ's resurrection, you're now alive to God. And the life you now live in Christ is the resurrection life. You see, we've been raised with Christ. And the risen Christ, he lives in us. And he lives in us to give us power to live out the Christian life. He lives in us to make us holy. He lives in us to transform us and to renew us. He is constantly at work in you and he's constantly at work in me. In fact, it's because Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit, we cannot continue living in sin. We can't have a cavalier attitude towards our sin. No, no, no. Our bodies have become temples of the living God, Christ lives inside of us. How could it be that we would want to continue in the, under the dominion of sin? We've been raised with Christ. We're united with Christ. Now, if you just go back to Romans 6, let me, let me show you how Paul gets at this. I'm, we're not going to go deep exegetically. We're just really skimming the surface. But verse 3, he wants us to understand mystical union with Christ, spiritual union with Christ. So verse three, says, do you not know? Now, can I just say this? You ought to know this. <laughs> but that's Paul's simple point. Do you not know this? Every Christian's got to know this. If you're going to live out the Christian life, you need to know this. If you want a key to the Christian life, it doesn't begin in the imperatives, the commands, go try and live a holy life. No, it begins in knowing this. Knowing what? well, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He goes on. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Now, when Paul uses baptism speaks of baptism here he's not talking about water baptism he's using baptism as the the symbol that it is do you know what baptism symbolizes do you know what it's a metaphor for union with christ you baptism represents so often throughout scripture solidarity identification first corinthians chapter 10 all god's people all Israel, were baptized in to moses that is, they, 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 they lived their life in dependence upon Moses as their leader. There's this close identification between Moses and the people of God. Well, such is our reality. We are baptized into Christ. Galatians speaks about being clothed in Christ. But notice we're baptized into his death. And if we're baptized into his death, we've died to sin. And we're also, obviously, if someone dies, there's got to be a burial, there's a funeral. But with Christ who defeated death on the third day was gloriously resurrected by the glory of his Father, who through the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead, we are also united to him in his resurrection. And because we're united to him in his resurrection, you and I are alive to God. You and I are now living in the newness of life. We're not in a kingdom of darkness. We're not in slavery and bondage to sin. No, we're we're now living the life of Christ in his spirit and the resurrection spirit in his kingdom. Look at verse five. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly... One of the things that Paul always speaks about, right, is with absolute confidence, certainty, convinced, persuaded, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like it. And there's a real sense that in the second resurrection, that is, once we die, we'll be raised again. There is a second resurrection to come. Just as he was raised from the dead, so too you and I will be raised from the dead. We've looked at John 11, Lazarus. He's saying, I'm the resurrection of the life. Just as he was raised from the tomb, so too anyone who comes to believe in Jesus will be raised at the last day. But we've got to understand it. See the first resurrection of Jesus? It marked a new epoch. It marked a new beginning for all who would be united to him. It means we now live in the reign of his grace, in the reign of the newness of life. So, so here's how Paul goes on. We know that our old self, was crucified with him. We know that our old self in Adam died with him. And it died in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Christ. This this is what you and I have got to know. We've got to know that if we've died with him, we now got to live with him. We're now going to live in this resurrection life. We've now got to live in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We've now got to live in this deep, mystical, spiritual union with him. Now look at verse 9 through 10. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now, just just so you know, death has been defeated. No longer our great enemy. Christ crushed it. Christ has defeated it. Christ has triumphed over it. How so? The third day he rose from the grave. And just as he walked out that tomb, so you and I who are united with Christ, we are now alive. We are now walking. In the newness of life with Christ. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he now lives to God. Paul wants us to know this. Brothers and sisters, you and I are now living a new life. Now, take in, so let me just show you another scripture. So if you've got your Bible there, come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We actually looked at this passage last week. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And if we pick things up in verse 14, which we touched on the second part of it last week. And then follow Paul's thinking. You see this really, united in his death, united in his resurrection. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. See that? Christ died, all have died, who are united to him. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So now that we die with Christ, and now that we've been raised for life, it's not to live for ourselves, it's to live for him. So read on. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But Paul wants everyone to get, when you grasp union with Christ, you're, you're united to him in his death, you're united to him in his resurrection. If you're united to him in his resurrection, you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Now, next week when we come back, we're going to do the practical theology. We're going to apply how do we live out the death and resurrection of Christ. But I, I, I can well imagine that you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, wow, okay, we're the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead as the spirit that lives inside of us. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the resurrection life power at work within us. Then how is it? I still sin. How is it that I still struggle? How is it that this life has got so much frustration? Well, don't worry. That's what chapter Seven's all about. But right now, Paul says, what you need to know is the freedom and the newness of life you live in. That's chapter 6. What you need to know is this definitive once and for all change. You are no longer in bondage to sin. You're no longer in slavery to sin. No, you're in a new kingdom, new king. And you've got power, Holy Spirit power, to live out the life that God has called you to And it's all yours because you're united to him in his death and in his resurrection. I think a lot of us as Christians, this is what we know. We know what we're saved from. We know we've been saved from the power, the penalty of sin. We Don't fully understand at times that we've been saved from the power, the dominion of sin. But I don't think we often know that what we've been saved for, we've been saved to live for God. And when God calls us to live for him, he doesn't say to us, now go and do it in your own strength. He says, no, you're going to do it in the Spirit, in Christ's resurrection, Spirit's strength. You and I are empowered to live out this new life. If you've not experienced that forgiving, that loving, transforming power, then I have good news for you. You can come tonight and you can trust Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in Him, believe in Him and be saved. And know this transformation. Now, here's the thing. I think some of us, let's be honest, we ought to know this, but we don't know this. Or we do the, or we do know this, but we don't own this. Like we, we don't know how to live it out in our lives. And Paul says, I want you to learn how you can live out your Christian life. But you've got to know that you're united with Christ. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Now, if your mind's hurting, I get it. One never said to us that the theology that he wants us to know would be easy. How can we take in these wonderful, glorious things that Christ lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit? Maybe you, you're sitting here and saying, Do I really need to grasp union with Christ, Andy? Like, is it really necessary for me? Like, I've gotten through my Christian life up until now and I've not fully grasped all of this. Well, can I ask you this question, just just honestly? Have you ever wondered if there's more to the Christian life than you are currently experiencing? Do you have a difficulty in connecting the truths regarding who God is and who you are in Christ with how you feel and how you live out each day? You see, Paul would say, if you want to know how to live out your Christian life, you need to understand this profound reality, union, united with Christ in his death, united with Christ in his resurrection. Every week I've had an illustration. This week's illustration is from the Cold War. So The U.S. was at war with the Soviet Union. True story. A Russian Air Force pilot decided that he no more wanted to fight with the Soviets. And so he flew his plane into an American Air Force base in Japan and he begged for asylum. So the Americans took him from Japan straight to America and they briefed him and they said, we'll grant you residency in the United States of America. We'll give you status right now that you can live as a resident In America, and in due time, you will become an American citizen. Now, what happened in this pilot's experience illustrates to some degree what happened when we died to sin and were made alive to God. This pilot, he changed kingdoms. He was given a new identity. He was given given a new status. He was no longer a Russian. He became an American. Meaning he was no longer under the totalitarian oppressive regime the Soviets, he was now free to experience what it was like living in a democratic, rich, Western country with all the advantages and resources. Now, interestingly, he was the same man. Like when he arrived in America, he had the same personality, he had the same habits. (laughs) But he had a new status. He had a new identity. And now with his new status and with his new identity, he was free to grow up into it. He he was free now to discard his old mindset of someone who was living under bondage, somebody who was living in the habits of a person living under a despotic regime. And what's more, the amazing thing about becoming an American resident and then becoming an American citizen is the American government said to him, we'll give you all the resources you need Become an American. We'll give you all of the things that you need so that your old identity is dead and you can live according to your new identity as an American. Brothers and sisters, that's what's happened to you and me. We were once part of the kingdom of darkness, we've transferred into the kingdom of light. We're the same person, we have some habits. But we are now free, not to be in slavery and bondage, dominion, under the dominion of sin. We're now free to be alive to God and to live for him. And guess what? God, in his grace, has not left us to his own devices. He has given us every resource we need to live the Christian life. We've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ Jesus. But not only that, what is more, God has said, if you're going to live the Christian life, you've got to abide in me and I in you. And Christ says, "I abide in you by my Holy Spirit, and I will empower you to live the Christian life." The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that is at work in all of us who are believers. And some of you might not know, but you've got a bit of toothpaste on your face, and no, you don't. But sometimes you might have, and you're blissfully unaware of it. Some of you might not know because you're a believer. You're dead, dead to sin. You're alive, alive to God. Do you not know this? But do you not love this? This is incredible truth. And next week we can come back and we can try and apply it to how we live out our Christian life. Let's pray. God, our mind can scarce take in these mysteries, these realities of us in your son and of your son in us. We can scarce take in all that we've been saved from, the penalty and the power of sin, although we still have to grapple with the presence of dwelling sin and living in a fallen world. Father, we can't take it in that we've been saved to live for you, to be alive to you, to be in communion and fellowship with you. But if we're really honest, we sometimes live our lives blissfully unaware that you are in us. We sometimes live our lives unaware that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is powerfully at work within us. God, we're sorry. Sorry for being those who are so slow to understand what you want us to know of our new status and our new new identity. And so we pray that even as we go from here tonight, we would, we would come back to your word with the desires. We want, to, we want to know more of who we are in Christ. We want to know more about our union with Christ. So we pray that you would fire up our imaginations, help us to understand that we are just the branches in the vine. Help us understand we're the body connected to the head. Help us to understand we are the living stones connected to the cornerstone. Help us understand that we are the bride of Christ and we are one with Christ. Help us understand the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, now resides in our hearts. And as we understand these things, we pray, and as we know these things, We would therefore therefore be equipped and enabled to live out the Christian life that you desire for us, especially in our pursuit of holiness and Christlikeness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.